Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. We're here right now with David Akoyman, founder and CEO of NookPod. They're mobile, quiet, meeting and working pods. They're beautifully designed, I have to say, and they're really useful, sort of instant, almost pop-up workstations, if you will, for the workplace. They're used in healthcare, schools, and they're really now also useful in our homes. They provide a quiet space to work. They use acoustic and biophilic design to enhance creativity, productivity, and focus. That's my kind of overview in a nutshell. I'm gonna hand over now to David. Thanks very much for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what Nookput does, and really, how did you get into it? Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me on this, and uh, that was a perfect introduction. Um, <laughs> so to add a little bit more background to it, I'm uh, myself, I'm a trained product designer, and I've had design consultancies uh, for many years, but always designing for other people. And this is something that uh, in 2015, I'd come to the end of a really interesting sort of path in my career and was really, really ready to do something on my own. I'd been a founder previously with others. I'd ended up working in a a very large organization of 175,000 people. So I couldn't wait to um, get out and take all of the lessons that I'd learned from co-founding and from being a very small cog in a very large engine and apply that to something that meant a lot to me. And the things that mean a lot to me are uh, helping people. I'm a people pleaser, <laughs> it's just my nature. And uh, I wanna help in particular people who are often forgotten about. And I wanna help in areas where I think it can have a really big impact. And so that brought me to a kind of uh, bringing all those points together around neurodiversity in the workplace, um, around the workplace itself, which is where we spend you know, so much time. And what I wanted to do was create a more friendly and productive space in particular for introverts and folks on the spectrum. And it kind of took off from there because, you know, neuroinclusivity really is, it's actually that, it's inclusive. If you make an environment that helps people's brains, then everyone's going to benefit from it. And so that's what Nook is. It was kind of built around the three sort of cornerstones of a successful neurodiverse space. Um, and those are um, a personal um, area, a personal space in which to kind of withdraw and you know, get yourself, get your balance back and um, uh, sort of settle yourself, but without, importantly, without isolating you from the environment. That's really important. The second um, point is around lighting and around allowing people some personal level of control over the local lighting because that also has a profound effect on your well-being, on your mood, and even, would you believe, on the brain's ability to process information. And then the third part is around noise, and noise is a a brutal component actually in terms of what it does um, to your brain and it affects your ability to concentrate and what have you. So basically it was about putting those three elements together, but also baking in uh, real genuine sustainability, real agility, because I see the future of the workplace being a more agile space. And I think we're seeing that now more and more at the moment with the unprecedented circumstances that we're in. So that's where the kind of, you know, the, the brief for Nook came from. 
and then the actual design itself sort of came out of, well, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? When you look at it, it looks like a little house. So it kind of speaks to our basic needs and, you know, the hierarchy of needs and shelter and things like that, because people have started to become a little bit homeless in the open plan workspace. So it gives you a little bit of a home and a little bit of space to go and be calm and focus, have a good conversation or regulate yourself. That's, that's lovely. As you say, they do look like little houses. Uh, they're really cute. And um, yeah, I, I love that when you say we've actually become homeless. And that's so true in the workplace when you go into a lot of these open plan places and they're not fit for everybody. They're great for extroverts, as you say, but if you're an introvert, even if you're just trying to focus um, and just get away from it, uh, the what you provide there with these nook pods, I think are fantastic spaces. As you say, it gives you control. I was talking to Sally Augustine last week and was talking about control and how important that is for right. us on a neural level. Having even control over lighting is, is really important. Well, um, yeah, there's, a, there's a little, there's a, a great study actually that your listeners would be interested in. It's well worth looking up. It's from the 70s and it's about, it was back in the time of cubicles, right? And what they did was they had this baseline um, sort of group that would come in um, sit in the cubicles and be given a test and that would give them a sort of a base level of, okay, this is where we're, this is where we're starting from. And then, and you'll love this from a biophilic point of view as well. What they did was the next group that came in, they uh, had put plants around the cubicles. And so, uh, you know, a, a test group of a similar capability level did the test and the results went up. There was a clear, um, correlation, let's say, even causation between putting the plants in the space. The next bit was really interesting that instead, so this is the third test now, and instead of putting the plants in the space, when the people came in to do the test, they gave them the plants and said, you put them in the place. It's yours to decide where they go. And incredibly, the level of achievement on the test went up again. Mm-hmm. The last level, though, is the most fascinating of all to me, And so they went through the same process, group came in, gave them plants, group put the plants around the space, but before they did the test, they took the plants away. And the results went below the base level. And it was a really interesting lesson in actual control versus this kind of, you know, faux control where you say, yes, yes, you can do what you want, but not like that. Right, <laughs> actually giving people just a little element of control and an element of biophilics, I think, combined with that and lighting and things like that, can have yeah. a profound effect. But actually, let them have that control. Then, <laughs> what is it exactly about um, acoustics and sort of improving environments um, acoustically that resonates with you? Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, well, not for me, just for me, but for it's known that noise permeates right i mean it gets deep inside your head some of your other guests will have talked about this in much more specific terms than i ever can i'm a as a designer they say jack of all trades master of none i like to say jack of all trades master of being jack of all trades you know a little bit about everything you know to keep people honest and balance it all up so i know a little bit about sound and i know that noise you know is one of the critical factors uh, that can really, you know, you get inside your head and you can't escape it. I personally struggle greatly in open spaces, open offices. Mm-hmm. And I think generally in society, this is going a bit broad now, but our soundscape is a complete disaster. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's so affected by the materials, the shape of a space and by what you 
broadcast into it, whether that's with, you know, voice or whether it's music that you play over speakers. But it's rarely considered as a thing which needs to be designed. And it really very much is. And that's something that I wanted to sort of bake into this. But I know that if you're going to be successful in these things, you have to make it as simple as possible. In fact, you almost sometimes have to do it without telling people what you're doing. So a lot of the stuff that's gone into Nook, that's sort of baked into Nook and the idea behind that, and why I see that as a good way of doing solutions, is you're kind of educating people by osmosis, by immersion. People sit inside, and in actual fact, you get a lovely effect with the Nook too, because people look at it and go, well, what, what of it? I mean, it's just a little you know, house. What could that achieve? And they sit inside, and then their face does two things. It goes, huh? <laughs> and then it goes, and then it goes, ah. Oh. <laughs> and that's what you can do with sound. You can do profound things with sound and you can really create a better headscape for people. And that's the way I like to do things like that is give them tacit permissions and tools without being too dictatorial in how it should be used. I love that. I love that. I keep creating people, giving people a headscape, you know, creating headscape. I think that's really cool. Um, I mean, how do you, I mean, you've touched on before, I mean, how an improved acoustic environment can help us. I mean, with our cognition, you know, creativity, focus and stress levels, you mentioned obviously neurodiversity. Um, do you have an example of maybe where you've gone in, um, you know, where it was like a you know, nightmare before and, um, and now it's improved or, you know, the kind of example of where it's. Yeah, I do. <laughs> one of the, one of the places you, and you talk about neurodiversity, right? And so how does this affect everybody? Because sometimes you hear that expression, you think, oh yeah, but that's other people, right? But in actual fact, I mean, it's everywhere. And if I was to give you an example, like for example, a company where a software company, right? A software company is going to be full of computer programmers. Computer programmers, and I hope they won't mind me saying if they're listening, tend to fall on the nerd spectrum, right? <laughs> the geek spectrum. Like really passionate about really narrow fields, tend to be quite isolating, need to concentrate, spend a lot of time behind the computer, really, really focused, deep work. And if you break their concentration, they're you know taking a long time to get back into that again. It will make them fall out of love with a workspace if they're disrupted. Put a programming team beside a marketing team or a sales team. It's an absolute nightmare. So by going into a, a, an organization like that, or another example would be science parks, absolutely packed to the rafters with people who, you know, focus for a living, who mm. need time and space and the mental sort of calmness to be able to really immerse into, into problem solving. And if that disruption comes, we're going to end up, you know, heavily, heavily sort of reset and having to go and taking up to 20 minutes, half an hour to get back into, into that mind space again. So we put a single nook into Bristol and Bath Science Park as a test because the you know the owners were like mm, I'm not sure and you know spending money on such things and we don't know anything about it. I'm like try it give it a try within two weeks they placed an order for four two weeks later we came back to take out the trial one and to bring in the four new ones and it was a brilliant moment because when we went first of all we went to take out the old one right and when I went to 
I was there myself too because I wanted to be part of it. And we went to take out the old one and we were accosted by someone. <laughs> Where do you think you're going with that? What do you think you're doing? <laughs> and we were like, don't worry, don't worry. We're taking it out and we're bringing in four new ones. And I thought the reaction was going to be, oh my God, fantastic. The reaction was, <laughs> it's about damn time. <laughs> <laughs> but that really is illustrative of the kind of passion that providing a solution like this fills this gap that people, you know, are struggling with and being stressed by and don't know how to deal with. And putting something like that in allows them to kind of go, oh, my God, it was this. That's what I needed. And people said, I, honestly, I don't know what I was doing without this thing. I'm sorry, I'm obviously biased, right? So it sounds like, but these are genuine words from, you know, from, from the mouths of, of the people who use it on the ground. And so it's, that, it's impactful examples like that. And the, if you have a look at our social and some of the feedback, and I've got a lovely slide that's of the kind of stuff that we've heard on LinkedIn and what have you, people talking about, and a woman who was talking about she had undiagnosed at the time ADHD, and she used to like, you know, almost like throw the towel over the deck chair in the morning, rush to the nook and put her laptop in <laughs> so, that, so that she could go. And that was her like safe space, you know, to go and get her focus on and get her, you know, get her productivity up to the levels that she needed to achieve in a co-working space. You can imagine how disruptive that space was otherwise. And it's examples like that that really motivate us and fuel us to just keep going and keep going. We know we're doing something right that can really, really help, you know? Yeah, I think that's, that's really true. I, I mean, I've, I think, I mean, you know, I've, I was a journalist and I've also worked in editorial. I've written for like the BBC and ITV, but I worked in a creative ad agency, kind of digital agency, and they were all graphic designers. They had music playing, there was chitty chatter, and I was <laughs> trying to write. And my brain, I mean, I suppose maybe I am on the introverted scale. I'm not quite sure, you know. I say people, I say people I'm introverted, they go like, no. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think maybe we kind of flip between the two things. But I, I just, yeah, I, I could have done with one of your nook pods most definitely there. And then they would have just, they would have kept me, kept away from me as well. Because yeah, yeah. I'd have probably put a little barrier up around me. But just to have that quiet space would have been amazing. Um, well, that's, a, yeah. that's a nice effect, Ness, if I may say, that does happen of it. And I said I love tacit permissions rather than even guidelines and and dictatorial sort of you musts sitting in a nook creates this and any other typical type of space too right isn't only nooks that can achieve this but nook does it particularly well that you sit in a space like that and then people go oh ness is in the nook she obviously went there for a reason (laughs) i'll catch her when she comes out (laughs) right (laughs) you know it just you haven't had to say it you haven't had to put a big red flag up been communicated somehow and you said as well about you're not an you, you know you think you're an introvert but people would laugh at it i feel the same i feel like i'm at times i feel like i'm a high functioning introvert but i think that's because we all are on the spectrum in different ways for different yeah. things at different times of the day depending on the task that we're doing it's not oh you know i'm this and you're that mm-hmm. it's a matrix of different your brain needs different things at different times depending on what you're doing and what sort of state of mind you're in and what other stresses are happening in your life right yeah exactly i mean how do you implement these improvements in the workplaces i mean what's the sort of typical 
thing. I mean, I know you also connect the pods. You've got, obviously got mains USB, you've got the lighting in there and things, but I mean, how do you implement the improvement? I mean, how do you, how do you go into a workplace and kind of go, come up with a suggestion of how many they need or, or color scapes or all that kind of thing? Well, Nook isn't the only thing that they need, right? So we're very mindful about that. It's a tool. It's, it's one of many tools that they can use. And they usually, an organization comes to us that, you know, they are mindful of the issue that they're having. They might be thinking about sound. They might be thinking about neurodiversity. They might simply be thinking about, we've got to get more meetings, small meetings. Our meeting rooms are maxed out and everybody's telling us we need more, but we can't build more rooms. And we don't want to, you know, overcomplicate the situation. So we try to be as sort of helpful and brief as possible and say, okay, you know, uh, do you know what you want already? Great. Well, then that's fine. But here's some recommendations and here's some nice ideas that other people have implemented. And here's some, would you consider having some images on the inside? If you wanted to do biophilics with it as well, they work very well together. Also, if your place is too quiet, you should possibly think about sound masking. Talk to these guys about that. Have you thought about putting some acoustic paneling on the wall or on the ceiling or creating some sort of low level acoustic dividers in the space or hanging things so we would although we don't offer those things we want to be kind of holistic in sort of you know what we suggest and then what we also really try to drive home with people too is to say look don't worry about buying this thing now and then your needs changing in six or 12 months time we've made this thing to change I said at the top about sustainability. People think about sustainability as making things from recycled materials and then making them to be recycled. And that's <laughs> fabulous. And it is. Those are important things. But those are the bookends of sustainability to me. To me, true sustainability is making a thing that lasts and that can change over its lifetime. Because what good is a thing that can last if after two or three years they're completely changing the interior and they go that white thing with blue fabric is never going to fit with our new wooden and wool <laughs> interior or whatever it is it might be. So you want to make it clear up front that this thing will adapt. And as we add new things to it, like working with yourself around putting nature images inside, we can go back to all our existing customers and say, look at this wonderful thing we're doing now. You can upgrade to that. No problem. Or we're now putting, um, we're developing a, a mindful nook at the moment in combination with a company that does uh, yoga, uh, seated yoga, mm -hmm. and um, uh, mindfulness exercises for business. So like, uh, imagine a mindfulness exercise that's like a cup of coffee in the morning, or uh, preparing yourself for a big meeting and settling your nerves, imagine, you know, having some breathing exercises for that, or a detox after your stressful meeting or before you go home to get yourself in the right headspace. So those are all things that just because you bought from us or invested in this sort of idea a couple of years ago, you can still avail of those developments as it moves on. So we want it to be a kind of a living thing. So I think agility and informing people about stuff that you're not going to make any, you, you talked about altruism before we started recording and I genuinely do want to help people make a better workspace and I don't care if that doesn't involve Nook 
it shouldn't involve Nook all the time. I'm very mindful that, you know, Nook is my hammer and I'm trying not to make every problem look like a nail. You know that expression? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we try to be as, as open and honest when we advise. And there have been times when we've said, Nook isn't the right thing for you. People say, can I put a door on it? No, go and buy a pod that, that has a door, that has ventilation, and that is meant to isolate people. That's mm-hmm. what, not what Nook is for. And we need to be honest about that with people too. I think that's valuable. That's very good. Yeah. Are you saying about sustainability? Um, how something will last and can change? Um, I think that's really important, especially mm-hmm. things just moving so quickly at the moment anyway. And I think it's just going to continue to just probably accelerate um, in change. So sustainability yeah. um, is, is exactly that, as you say you know being you know building something out of recycled stuff and being able to be recycled is you know as you say the bookends i think i like that description and um, but that that thing in the middle and we're, we're creating some some timeouts some video and audio timeouts so people can just literally put their earphones in watch a little video for five minutes of a tree and some nature and stuff but um yeah i think it's really really important um time. Yeah, you're working, um, sort of going back to the multi-sensory thing, but you're also working, and, and altruism, to be fair, um, but you're working in the special educational needs space. And obviously you're using not just acoustic enhancements in there. You're, you're really helping children and people with learning as special needs. Can you describe what those Nook pods have on them and, um, and how they work? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned that we had um, set out to achieve some improvements for people with um, uh, people who would class themselves introverts and people with autism in uh, the workspace. And through that work, we attracted the attention of a partner a company by the name of Ambispace, who we now work very, very closely with. And Ambispace makes sense spaces for schools, but they typically tended to be fixed uh, environments. Uh, or uh, maybe um, modular around a sort of 20 or 40 foot container. So very big, cumbersome things that stayed in one location. And that isn't always brilliant because uh, by the time you bring somebody to that space, you've kind of missed the opportunity to help them when they need it most, especially if you're going to try and do some prevention rather than just cure, right? Mm -hmm. So... When Ambispace um, and our CEO, Kevin Wheatley, um, approached us, they approached us very much having seen and gotten the idea about the modularity of the Nook, that just because it comes with table and chairs now doesn't mean it has to come with that in the future. So they asked us, would it be possible to kit out the inside of the Nook in collaboration with ourselves? So we would make some different materials for the inside and they would... Um, add on to those materials with some of their own expertise. So we made a completely immersive multi-sensory space called Sensory Nook. And then we made four different, let's say, um, if the if the sensory components are the ingredients, then we made four different meals. <laughs> so for, for different tastes, if you will, right? For different requirements. And now what we're doing is, uh, so, so we've done that and it's gone really, really well. And we're in schools and we're in sports stadia, would you believe Leeds Rhinos um, took it in, Man City took it in on trial for a while. Um, we're talking to, I think, 20 different sporting institutions about putting it in their stadia for match days to help people on the spectrum, to be able to bring their kids along and then know they've got a send space to go to if it's becoming an overwhelming environment. And now what we're doing is we're taking the components of the sensory nook 
and we're baking them into the workspace nook. And those components, for example, are we have like full spectrum LED lighting that can completely bathe the space in very specific hues of light. Like, you know, lilac is really calming and really helpful on the autistic spectrum. I'm speaking, forgive me now, speaking in gross generalizations, but let's be general for the purpose of, uh, to be succinct. Um, there are particular tones of green that can help individually, and it has to be tuned for an individual, and that's why it's important to be able to control it. But mm -hmm. it can help if you have dyslexia to reduce the buildup. I, mm -hmm. I just thought dyslexia was a thing that you had flat, but it yeah. can peak and trough. And if it peaks, you can have like a dyslexic event, sort of like an attack and a breakdown which will put you into a state that you need to recover from, but you often can't do that in the workplace, so you may have to leave, which leads to greater absenteeism, dissatisfaction with the workplace. So if you can tailor your environment and the lighting in your environment, it can really deeply heavily affect your mood. And I mentioned a lady uh, previously who had approached us and said that she had ADHD and that it really helped her. Well, one of the things we do you may know ADHD a little bit anecdotally. It's like, uh, I, I sometimes feel like uh, I, I shouldn't sound so blasé about it, but I sometimes feel like I have it myself. I have absolutely ants in my pants, like all the time. I can't even settle in a single work environment. I work in five different co-working spaces, depending on what city I'm in. I can never settle. I always have to be fidgeting. My fingers and my toes have to be moving in order for me to concentrate. Well, did you know that if you put gentle vibration in a seat, it can help someone with ADHD to settle really? and to be able to focus and to be able to concentrate. And I think personally, I think that might be because the movement is happening for you and you don't have to be doing it. Yourself. I don't know what the science is behind that, but it's proven to work. And another tool that we use is we, you can use, and this is particularly for kids. You may know if you know people with autism, children with autism, eye-to-eye -eye contact is very difficult for them. It's just so intense. Yeah. Did you know you can overcome that with the help of a mirror? So that if both of you are looking in the mirror, yeah. the person who finds it overwhelming can find it much less daunting to do so yeah. through a mirror and therefore a connection can be built that otherwise might be difficult to achieve. So it's little things like that. There's light tubes and there's scent generators. Scent is tied to memory. There's all sorts of beautiful little um, tricks and, and uh, little excellences that you can put in that have these uh, neuro sort of effects on different types of brands and the different needs that they have. I think that's really beautiful. Isn't it? Uh, I really have to say, David, I mean, we're, we're thrilled to be working with you and supporting you just doing in a, in a really little way by providing views uh, for your nook pods where and when you might need them you know to create nature nooks with you um i mean how do you see nature and biophilic design being an additional benefit to well to workplaces or homes or schools or home offices or well look i mean i will speak about this sort of anecdotally from the top uh, because i am no expert again in this field but i see the benefits Mm -hmm. And, you know, I read about it and I, I immerse myself in it because I instinctively feel like it works. And so, uh, you know, I, I look for the research and I see that, that that is the case. Research 
shows that humans have an innate need to be connected with nature, right? I guess yeah. that's kind of the definition of biophilia, maybe. And, and that's, you know, why I think bringing nature into an office, which is, as I said at the top, is, you know, a space where we spend so damn much of our time, right? Yeah. That we really deserve workspace to be somewhere where we can be our best. And being in nature, I think, is one of the times where we really can be our best. I mean, it's proven to help in all sorts of ways with rehabilitation, with cognitive ability. I mean, and not just actual nature, like as in, you know, plants and things, but even seeing just images of nature has been linked to lower levels of anger in workplaces and in improving stress levels and things like that. So I think it's a really important ingredient in a successful workplace to have biophilia baked in there as part of how the, the space is concocted. And it's really easy to retrofit too, and I love that aspect of it as well. Exactly, yeah. Obviously, we're, we're recording this in the, the sort of coronavirus lockdown. Um, I, I mentioned before about it. I keep calling it a lock-in, but I think that's my, <laughs> that's my, also my Irish background. But anyway. <laughs> that, has a, that has a lovely double meaning, all right, yeah. <laughs> I know, exactly. Um, but with everybody now working from home and, and, you know, potentially the future of the workplace is going to change phenomenally um, with people maybe not going back to work or so much or needing to work from home. Um, again, having spoken to, you know, environmental psychologist uh, Sally the other day, and we just mm. just chatting about, you know, the, the noise levels in your own home. You've got your family, you've got your kids, and also trying to create an office space. If you don't have that kind of environment set up naturally, I, I think having a nook pod in your home, um, you could even put it in your hallway, to be honest, the, the way it's designed. Because you can, then you're focused in your space. I mean, you could then shift it because it's got wheels on. But you know, being able to like even wheel it towards the garden, <laughs> and then have your office space like with you wherever you are. I mean, I think it's, I think they're phenomenal. Are you looking to implement them more in in homes or to try and get them into homes as well? Absolutely. I mean, I'm 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 a full-on Kool-Aid drinker of the of the Nook solution myself. Of course, you'd be surprised if I wasn't sitting in one right now, wouldn't you? Which I am. <laughs> <laughs> of course I have one at home. And before this all started, it was already like a really lovely multifunctional ingredient in the household. And actually we had it at the back of the house away from the kind of street side, right? So I live in the city and I can and my, from my living room window, I can see the street. I'm down at ground level, and so I can get the feel of the, of the world. But I had it right at the back of the house because I wanted to escape all of that and escape distractions and focus on work. And when this all happened, about a week in, we were like, you know what? I'm kind of missing the world. Let's move the office. Let's relocate. <laughs> and so we literally unlocked the wheels, unplugged them up from a single socket, yeah. wrapped up the cable and tucked it inside and pushed it from one side of the building to the other. And we're now sat right at the front window watching the world go by. And, you're, and it's, it was perfect in that regard. It's so sort of, you know, multifunctional. The cats even use it as a, <laughs> a sleeping pod now as well. 
Uh, sometimes I have to have to sit on the couch because I can't get into my seat. <laughs> Too popular. But the point you make about the future workplace, I think, is really interesting. And one of the things, I think there's been three really big, important changes, and probably your other guests have talked about this as well. But I think, first of all, I think people are going to start looking at their homes now as more of a sanctuary in a way that they never did before. I mean, it was a place that you came to in the evening, wasn't it? And it's a place you slept and it's a place you got to enjoy a little bit at the weekend, but you spent all of this time away from it. You never really saw it as a refuge, more of a sort of place that you stopped over sometimes, right? It could be that way for some people. Certainly I treated it that way. But I think people are going to look at it as more of a sanctuary and going to prepare it better for the likelihood of this new reality that, you know, for at least the immediate foreseeable, we don't know what the circumstances are going to be. So we need to be ready for that. And I think even when this does go away, there's going to be a residual, hmm, I'm not fully certain this is never going to happen again. I want to be ready this time. <laughs> right. So I think we're going to be looking at our homes and going, how can I make this a little bit more like that? But we don't have a room to give to an office often, right? Most of us don't. We're not always lucky enough to have a garden or even a terrace to go out to and escape to. So being able to zone your house off in ways or, or make it a little bit more multifunctional or have a little space that you can escape into, but that maybe the kids can use for homework afterwards that, you know, it really has a function that you know you can denote it as such so that when you go into it you feel like okay i've arrived in the office nice short commute this morning that was great and <laughs> and off to work we go and then you can leave it <laughs> afterwards to actually like leave work in the office type of thing and it only has like a two meter footprint or a one meter by one meter footprint if you use the sort of single person pod uh, the Nook Solo that we brought out in the last in the last year or so. So, you know, broadly speaking, I think there's big changes. And I, I mentioned three things. The second one is I think some people are going to be dying to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. This isn't going to meet, lead to us all wanting to work from home, but they won't want to necessarily go back to the office. So I think you're going to see an explosion in co-working that's closer to people's homes. So they have a much shorter commute. Maybe they can even cycle to it. They still get the feeling of working in a working environment, they haven't got the distractions of home, but they haven't had to go into the city, for example, and then work with, you know, a lot of people in a confined space. And then that means, I think, also that the workspace, the centralized workspace is going to change from being, you know, 80, 90 percent focused on uh, everybody at their desk working hard, like, uh, you know, a white collar factory. It'll change to be more, I don't know, 30 percent like that and then 40 percent collaboration and then another 30% events and gatherings and education and community things. So those are the kind of big picture kind of ways I think the, the workscape is going to change and include the home in the future. I mean, is there anything else you'd like to add? I know that you're um, donating uh, some nooks to the NHS. Um, I mean, why, why are you, where, where are they going to go? Um, so we did that because, first of all, one of the things I haven't mentioned is another side of our business that came about accidentally, really, is we rent uh, or hire out nooks for events. Yeah. And so that means we have a fleet of nooks, which we, you know, move around uh, the country uh, in and out of uh, event locations covered in graphics, uh, 
beautiful nature images, but also branding um, and messaging and marketing messaging, things like that. So as soon as this all happened and the event industry um, sort of fell apart, all of our uh, schedule for the coming uh, foreseeable uh, naturally also uh, got cancelled. And so we're looking at the situation with the NHS going, I mean, this is dire. I'm feeling helpless. I'm watching the sort of tidal wave of coronavirus patients sort of off the shore as, uh, as we were watching Italy and China and elsewhere and thinking, you know, these could really make a difference for those guys when they need to take a break. You see the photographs of, you know, people sleeping in the corridors and stuff like that. Yeah. Imagine they could just hop into a nook and just yeah. get that lovely bit of headspace. So we're like, right. Let's get them out there. They might as well be doing someone some good rather than sitting in a warehouse. So let's get them out there and let them, let them do a job for the NHS while this is all going on. So eight different locations are taking them now. They started rolling out last week. We still have more. So if anyone's listening and has uh, an opportunity in uh, the healthcare sector in some way that we could help create a little refuge, a little mindful space where somebody can go and just reset themselves after a stressful shift. We'd love to. We'd love to reach out and help more. Just a way to help in this, you know, challenging sort of uh, time where knowing what to do is difficult. Well, David, thanks so much. Um, thanks for the time, and um, yeah, I wish you all the best with Nook. And um, yeah, well, here's the future. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much indeed, Ness, and uh, best of luck with the podcast and uh, looking forward to chatting to you again in the near future and doing some really cool things together. Thank you for listening to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast.